This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 175 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by MontyRobertsUniversity.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have some super important people, and you must hear what they have to say. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today to help me. How are you? Welcome back, Debbie. I am great, and welcome to 2021. It is. It is definitely a happy new year. Happy new year. And from your point of view, you wrote a really interesting article that's been getting lots and lots of play on social media about how 2020 wasn't so horrible after all. Please explain. Exactly. It wasn't. Did somebody miss something? It, it was it was actually a banner year for quite a few things. And animal welfare was one of them, which I'm happy to say, because I think people got a perspective. You know, it was a little bit of like a life balance moment. And adoptions went through the roof. Really? I mean, they couldn't keep track of adoptions enough. I was on a call this morning, a conference call, with a bunch of adoption partners. Those are the people who, they don't run rescues per se. They run these places where horses are between jobs, you know. They're between jobs, so they might have been an off-the-track thoroughbred saying, you know what, I'm done with that. I want to go be an inventor. Maybe that's what I want to do. And so these people are kindly helping. Well, they said, you know, it was really nice to have marketing materials for our adoption centers this year, but we didn't need them. We couldn't even <laughs> tack them up fast enough before somebody would take that horse. So it was it was just so cheery to hear that at least one industry in 2020 was just gangbusters. I mean, like triple and quadruple numbers wow, of so adoption. Horses, I, yeah. I love how that horses in transition that you you use that phrase so often. It's kind of like you, Monty Roberts and Equus and Debbie Laux and all y'all, you don't say you get a young horse broke anymore. You get a young horse started. Because it's a much more accurate word for Mm -hmm. what's happening. Yes. Rather than saying, I want to adopt a rescue horse, I want to adopt a horse in transition, is a much more accurate way of saying what happens a great many times when somebody gets a horse through an agency, an uh, a organization that whose whose mission is to find homes for horses who had a previous career and are looking for a new one. Many many times that horse isn't literally rescued. When I think of rescue, I think right. of a horse that's in imminent danger of. Um, being shipped off to slaughter or a horse who has been abused or neglected badly and he needs to be removed from that situation. I think of that as a rescue horse, but oftentimes, as in the case of thoroughbreds, um, he's fine. He's safe. He's being cared for responsibly, but it's time for him to move on and do a different career. It's kind of like, okay, um, I work at a local accounting firm and I do my job. Okay. But you know, I'm sick and tired of it. I want to do something else. So I'm going to go on to Indeed.com and start applying right. for jobs as 
a accountant at a business rather than an accounting firm. I think I'll like that better. You're not being rescued from your job. You're just trying a different one. That's right. That's exactly right. And it's stimulating, actually. A lot of people change careers because they're not stimulated by their earlier career or maybe athletically. They're just, uh, you know, they're getting too old for that job. There you go. And I so don't. They, I, I did that. Actually, I did that. I was, I was an active trainer, rider, instructor for many, many years. And one morning, I woke up and I, you know, it just hurts too much. Yeah, I put my shirt on backwards today. It's, you know, it's just, too much. I can't do this anymore. Too many limps. Too many broken parts. It's time for me to set a different career path. Did yeah. that. Great with it. So exactly. it's interesting. And and one of our conversations in the show coming up today is with the one and only Monty Roberts and Jamie Jennings, who is a certified uh, Monty Roberts trainer. And they talk a little bit about this topic. And I think it's a a very interesting point of view that really matured in 2020. It did. I agree with you. I think even they are a bit surprised by how uh, the horses respond and how the concepts that they're using were working so well. And that people responded to... You know, it's a little bit like we used to say, you always had to go to a breeder for a dog, and then then you didn't have to. You could go adopt a dog. Well, the same thing is happening in spades with horses, too, that people are finding their next horse on places like myridehorse.org, which is a website that is, it's like a dating service for horses. Why not? You know, but you get to keep them. So you get to take them home, which is great. And then we also have our, our second guest today, too, a super important people have to listen through, Julie Smith, who tells us all about preparedness for any kind of emergency, but she speaks directly to those crazy California wind wildfires that happened and all the things that she learned to prepare her horse and her boarding situation, her her facility for that. So people will have to listen to that and maybe even add, you know, notes on our website, add to the suggestions and tips that she has because she's full of them. And I know other people have learned a lot this last year too. So it's a great 2020, 21 looking forward now at the things that we can do to make life better for ourselves and for our horses too. That's right. Today's episode is all about what's coming up and how we're going to continue the uh, the great stuff that ha- great stuff did happen in 2020 and we're going to carry it forward and we're going to do that right after we hear from our sponsor Monty Roberts University. A couple of years ago, I don't know how long ago it was now, mm-hmm. but we had you on a, a number of our shows talking uh-huh. about the Equus Online University, which had just yeah. come out. It has developed. It's become better with the search engine in it, and it's become better with the forum because we have such an amazing forum. You know, a lot of those forums, people get on there and go, oh, no, you're not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yeah, usually it's, it ends up with the whiners on forums. <laughs> exactly. Right. And it's not. What I see is a mentoring. Actually, it's, it's almost the polar opposite because um, the we, we do give these rosettes out for people who've completed so many lessons. And uh, once the rosettes started, now we have, uh, we're up to five rosettes uh, for somebody who's watched every lesson. And you, you have those rosettes by your forum uh, personality in your profile. And uh, so you can really see who's watched all these things. So it gives them credibility when they come in and say, hey, if you watch this lesson. So people come on there and they're using it as a, is a training tool, frankly, you know, and they get on there. And 
And I'm not bragging on on the university as the greatest training tool, which I think it is, but it's also a great place for people to be mentored as they begin their journey with horses. Um, it really, it really is cool. So when they watch the lessons, and they can watch them over and over again as many times as they want, they get the lesson notes, they get audio, they get visual, and then they've got the forum to kick around too. Plus, we've got now since 2004, every week. Without fail, we put up a Q&A from Monty himself. He chose the question, he answered it, and we put it in a database. And that's actually free for everybody to search and get to. It's it's open on our um, Equus Online University. In other words, it's a non-subscriber open source Q&A base. The forum is not. You're, you're behind a subscriber wall for the forum just so we know who's talking. But it is... It is it's been an incredible experience, actually, to put these together with Stefan Peters and Will Simpson. You know who I'm talking about. These these guys have won everything yep. in their worlds. And Charlotte Bredals, and and if I get started, Rich, Richard Winters, and so many guest lecturers that are on there, too. So some people ask, why is it called university? Well, that's what a university is. It's it's not just one opinion. It's not just one deliverer. You know, and, and I think that's the difference between the... Everybody is putting out a YouTube these days, and they're free. So people ask us sometimes, why do you charge like up to $10 a month? And well, it's, it's expensive to make the university. Everybody knows quality is, is not cheap, but it, it's really our mission statement. And I know that sounds a bit trite, but it's true. <laughs> when you, when you've worked at it for five years, just to get all that quantified and on there, they're just almost no subjects we haven't covered at this point. But dad and I were looking at the list and he goes, Hey, I'm going to be making videos until well into my 90s. And I went, yes, so, <laughs> promise and sign here. <laughs> so, so we do have, we do have a lot of subjects left to go and a lot of people we want to still get on there. What do you think of it, Glenn? Well, I think that one of the things about training horses as it, same as training anything really is that you're, you're going through stages and you're always coming up to a new problem to solve uh-huh. or a new issue to deal with. And what I like about the university now that you have so much content on there mm-hmm. is that whatever issue you're running into, there's going to be something on there to help you. So not many people are going to go on there and watch all, you know, all the videos mm-hmm. uh, because there's just so many of them. What you're going to, what you're going to want to do is go on there and you're going to want to watch the videos that relate to the situation you're in currently with that particular horse. And, and that's what I like about it is it has, it has so much content now that whatever you're dealing with, you're probably going to find an answer somewhere, somehow. And if not, you can go to the forum. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I, I really like about it is wherever you're at now is where you can find that situation. Plus, you know, YouTube is so full of crap now. And I'm not saying that every video on there is crap, but there are, we all know what we're talking about. Uh, there are some that are. And, you know, one of the things that, I really like about this is you know you can trust it. Uh, you know that w- what you're seeing is something you can trust. I've tried doing repairs on uh, appliances and things off of YouTube videos. <laughs> and, and you know, some of them are good, some are not so good. And some, one of the things I couldn't get back together again. So, was, oh. you know, was, you know that, <laughs> at least you didn't hurt yourself. That's right. Good. <laughs> so that's what I really like about it. And for that, yes, it costs a few, it costs a few pennies to do it, but it's worth it. Uh, nice. you know, it's worth it to do it right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it is tried and true. Everything on there is so tried and true. If not, you know, we'd be, they'd be throwing tomatoes at us in the forum. <laughs> but it really does work. And, and we, we are so happy that, uh, so many people have been, um, interested enough at least to go there, you know, and I should plug in the, 
the website right now is www.montyrobertsuniversity.com because people can get a free day pass on there and go see what we're talking about and and check out that search engine too. You can put in the weird little keywords and you find all kinds of crazy stuff. It really is cool. And it breaks it down by not just the lessons first, then it goes into the Q&A database and then it goes into the forum. So you can actually pick and choose where you pick up those keywords from too. So it's great. And then you also have little challenge questions, which I love the little tests at the end you know there's always four questions at the end of your lesson to make sure that you know you were you were watching and if if you get it wrong it just says want to try again <laughs> and so you by process of elimination you get it right and then it, it moves you on and that's how you get your rosettes that you've accomplished that um, that lesson and that you get to move on but I you know what, what you just said is so important because when we were setting this idea up nothing really existed like it. We didn't want it to be first you have to do one and then you have to do number two and then you have to do number three and like it was some sort of programmed process. Yeah, because that, that never go- works. It doesn't. It, <laughs> no. you know, because we wanted people who were amazing trainers to jump in there and go, this is what I, you know, what does Monty say about this or what does this trainer say about that? And they could be at a world-class level or it could be a very beginner saying, where do I start first? And you, you can just go down the lessons if you want. But, you know, it's like you said, if all of a sudden you have a horse that won't load and you didn't have one last week that didn't load, you know, you go to the loading lessons right. and it's exactly. a whole series on it. And it's MontyRobertsUniversity.com. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Today we have Jamie Jennings, Monty Roberts Certified Instructor and a Certified Trainer in Oklahoma. And we have Monty Roberts, the man who listens to horses. And actually, he's writing his next book, too. Something about the horses listening back. So we're excited to have them on today to talk about the transition horse programs and those that are adopting them. Well, welcome back. I have a dynamic duo on the line this morning. And if you guys read about this podcast, you will know that I've got Monty Roberts and Jamie Jennings, both of, uh, well, I would call them podcasting fame at this point, but we've got them here for another reason. Hi, Jamie. Where are you hailing today? Hello, Debbie and Monty. I am uh, in Oklahoma, in Norman, Oklahoma. Fought off some rain, been trying to like, you know, the glamorous life of post rain mud stall mucking cleanup, you know, that's what we do. Aren't you glad we brought you inside for just a few minutes at least to talk to? Yeah. It's a nice break. It's a nice break. And Monty, we've got you at home. You're at Flag is Up Farms in Solvang, California, right? Beautiful sunshine, about 70 degrees or so. So mean. It's absolutely gorgeous. We need rain. <laughs> we do need some of that rain. We need some of that Oklahoma rain. Well, I brought you both on today to kick off our new year. This is our first episode, episode 175 of 2021. And I know a lot of people said good riddance to 2020, but I say good riding. There's been a lot happening in the horse world in 2020, and a big part of the conversation are transition horses. And I know both you are responsible, both of you, for really changing the conversation in OTTB, off-the-track thoroughbred 
um, transition horses. We're not calling them rescue horses now because they're just changing their vocations. And Jamie, I you know we've talked to you throughout the year about the success you've been having with Horse and Hound, which is a an operation that's been out there in Oklahoma for a long time now. But give us a little catch up of how you finished your year. Oh my gosh, what a banner year. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year that we would have been pushing to have a goal of 100 horses adopted off the track. Now, let me let me back up and say that most horses that come off the track are not rescues. They're just they've been really well taken care of for the most part. They just don't have any further training. Now, a lot of the horses that go to horse and hound also have some other issues. So some of them are more of rescue types and some of them are directly off the track. So, um, but all the, the common denominator is all of them have, you know, that are all thoroughbreds and most of them have raced. Um, so what did I expect to be pushing for a hundred adoptions? Absolutely not. The average adoptions of horse and hound rescue foundation in Guthrie, Oklahoma, they usually do 30 to 35 a year. So, I mean, over triple the normal amount. And I do credit a lot of it. I mean, so much I wouldn't even be involved if it weren't for the right horse in the ASPCA to give a grant to them and say, hey, let's see if training these horses makes them more adoptable. And that is the task that I got, fortunately, because I am the only certified Monty Roberts instructor in the middle of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, I was close and I had actually met them because I had adopted a horse that I took to the thoroughbred maker over and watched my progress. And when they got this grant, uh, Nelda Kettles from Horse and Hound called me and said, we'd like to get involved with, with you. And I was like, well, what do you, what do you want of these horses? What would you like them to do? Would you like me to keep one horse for a month or one horse for a few days? Like what is kind of the, the goal? And she's like, you know what, if we can get horses being videoed walk, trot, canter, maybe jumping, maybe on a trail ride or something. And they have had enough training to be able to do that. They are much more adoptable with people being able to see visually where they are now and where they can go in the future. So that is, that's kind of been my goal. And it is, I wouldn't work with just any rescue organization. These people are amazing. Everything is 100% transparent, super honest. I remember when I was going to pick out my makeover horse, I was like, oh, that, you know, with my goals of three-day eventing, I'm like, oh, I like that one. She's like, no, 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 that one's got a knee. You don't want that one. Well, let's go. This is like this collection. She was just super honest, which I found really refreshing. So as an organization to get involved with, uh, you know, we sign a, a, an integrity clause when you become a Monty Roberts certified instructor. And that was really important to me. And keeping that going is really important. So working with this organization, I felt like they're kind of along the same lines. And man, what a year. A hundred horses. And as of January 6th, we've already adopted two. Really? Oh yes. Gosh, this is new news. I know. Breaking news. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. And, you know, and I think, you know, in in the midst of a year that was just so crazy, it's such a great vote of confidence by people in horses too. You know, it shows that they've, they've maybe done a life balance moment in their thinking about how much work and how much play that they want to have. They've always wanted to have horses and maybe this is their moment, but, but what disciplines are they going into, Jamie? What are people doing with these horses? Oh my gosh, a little bit of everything. You know, in in Oklahoma here, 
Western sports are very prevalent, you know, so there's some horses that people will contact me like, Hey, do you think that'll be a play day horse for my daughter or somebody wanted, I mean, I've adopted them out. Some horses with oscillates and big legs and big ankles and former injuries that are going to go be trail horses. And I just sent one, the one that got adopted yesterday is going to go up to Michigan to be a hunter. And I've sent out event horses and a dressage horse. I send a dressage horse to California, all the way to California, <laughs> not, not too far from you guys. And the horse came from my farm. So I'm really pleased to say that I'm, that's the thing about the thoroughbreds, Debbie, they can do everything. everything. Yeah. Yeah. Now, wait a minute. I heard breaking news too, is that you're keeping for yourself. I may yeah. have had to keep one. <laughs> I did. I, so, so many ca- come to the barn. I think I've, I mean, numbers are in the sixties or seventies of one that I've actually put my hands on in the past, you know, probably 15, 16 months. And I fall in love with all of them. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just love them all for the, the way that they are, but this one in particular, he's a little gray horse, teen hands. And I don't know. There's something I think that happens and, and Monty can probably, I don't know if he'll attest to this or not. Cause he's not an emotional girl, but he, he put his head in my chest and he leaned up against me and he closed his eyes and he went, I <sighs> like, he was like, okay, here you are. And I just fell in love with him and he's, he's three and he's got a lot to learn and he's right off the track and he's nippy and he's just silly, you know, but he's, uh, he just stole my heart. So I had to take him. So now I'm the proud owner of a, of three-year-old off the track thoroughbred and a Mustang. Yeah. <laughs> and he's gray. And what's his name? Well, his name on the track was, it doesn't even make sense. Real of it. Okay. Real of it. So most everything here on my farm is my, I let my seven-year-old name, uh, all the horses. So his name is Parker as in Peter. He's Spider-Man. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. I love it. I love it. So, um, Monty, is, is she right to choose her horse that way? Is what? <laughs> is Jamie right to choose her horse that way? It loves me, Monty. Yeah. No, of course she's not right. <laughs> <laughs> But that's what we all do. Uh, You know, I have one right now that I fell in love with way back uh, before her career on the racetrack. And now she's coming back to me. And why did I fall in love with her? I don't know. She, She told me that she really needed me to to love her and to take care of her and be there for her when she was in need. And at this moment in time, she is at need because her racing career is over. So, of course, it's not right to express all that emotion to a flight animal, for crying out loud. But we do it, and Mother Nature must have said at some point in time it's right to do, or we wouldn't be so apt to do it. Yeah. Well, there is something about the flight animal and wanting to trust someone. And I guess when they find you, meaning the person they chose, yeah, then they're happy. Yeah, and the innocence of the flight animal, uh, they mean no harm to anybody. And and also the needs of the flight animal. You know, when we first discovered horses and what they could do for us, uh, they were doing fine in the middle of Africa. Uh, on the big grassy plains, and um, 
when we pulled them off of their planes and put them to work, uh, they became animals of need. They, they needed certain things, oftentimes that were too selfish to give them. Mm. That's true. And we, you know, I think that's part of the appeal is that they, they do need us just as much as we need them. And we learn, we, it's a lifelong journey of learning how to take care of our horses. So tell us a little bit about this horse that's coming in today, our romance, and how you fell in love with her, how she needed you. Well, I was asked to go to a yearling sale a couple of years ago, and I selected this filly for a client of mine because of her confirmation and her attitude and and her athletic ability walking over the ground and stuff like that, which is about all you have to choose a horse for. Mm-hmm. And I, I chose her, and then he sent her back with me to my farm, and oh, was she packed with energy. She was the most energetic young thoroughbred I think I ever had on this farm and it so happened that at night she was running races in her box stall (laughs) and uh in the morning we were doctoring skin places on the legs and nobody could figure out how she was injuring herself quite so often but um my guy said she just runs and plays and kicks and uh has fun all night long just so energetic and uh I sat there with her one night for quite a while and watched her attitude toward what was going on in her environment. And I decided that she was looking for a friend. Mm -hmm. And so I got on the phone the next morning and uh, we got a pygmy goat. Mm -hmm. And of course I named him Amigo. And (laughs) we made a little pen in the corner of his stable and we put two stalls together and we made a little pin there so that she couldn't hurt him because he was tiny and uh, she could have hurt him. And so we made this pen in the corner and, and he stayed in there and then they could reach over. The horse could reach over the top of the pen. It was only about two and a half, three feet high and could it could reach over the top and sort of nuzzle one another, you know. And, and so they were together in that thing, in that confinement for about two nights and the third morning they went in and the goat had gotten out of the pen and was running around under the legs of this filly and they called me and I went down there and they said what do you want to do you want to you know raise the pen up uh, whatever put a top on it or what and I said let me watch them for a while well I have to tell you that there has not been a time when our romance has ever stepped on Amigo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was right then that way. He was so safe with her. It was unbelievable. And he would bleat the whole time when she went out to do her work on the yeah. track. And then when they came back, she got a shower and he got a shower. <laughs> and then she was hot walked and Amigo walked between her legs as she was hot walked. I mean, it was unbelievable. How do you have a goat walking between the hind legs or let's say between the legs front and back of a horse as it's being walked? 
in the yard and not get it injured. And and our romance could jump and kick and buck uh, like she was very ambitious. And Amigo never got hit, never got injured in any way, and he's coming back with her. Back. He went to the track with her, and they've they started off with a double stall, like you said here, but eventually moved down to a regular size stall, and that goat just stays in. And like Dad said, she literally never steps on this goat. She knows where he is at all times. Have you ever, Jamie, had a, a horse that needed a companion animal before? Well, I was fortunate enough to be there when our romance first got her goat. And yeah, I, I mean, you would, the guys would lead our romance out into the yard and that goat was running and jumping and bucking and playing and running away and coming back and going underneath her belly. And, and she did, I would have thought she would have panicked had the, right. when the goat ran off and no, she just, okay. That's like, you know, it was like her, ba- her baby and yeah. it would come back and they were fine. Uh, you know, I haven't had to get a goat, but I think it's probably because my husband would leave me if he oh. came home and there was a goat in the barn. I've tried lots of things, but I, I'm smarter, smarter than to try that. You know, it is interesting when she comes back. I, I'll be interested to hear what you do, Monty, because I find that these horses and the life that they're living at the track it's very routine, very methodical, very much unemotional, uh, you know, get the horse to do its job, put it back, rub its legs, give it a shower, whatever, all of the things that, that they do, there's not a lot of human connection with the horse and the human that's handling it typically. So when the horses come to me and, and I was going back to where the horse his head on my chest, you know, he loves me, he needs me. Well, you know what? The first thing I do when I get him here is I give him about an hour and I take each one of them to the round pen and I do a join up. And I swear to you, Debbie, it's like those horses are so relieved for their whole entire life. Nobody has ever spoken their language back to them. And that's what you're doing when you're, when you're, when you're doing a join up with a horse is you're, you're speaking, you're finally, finally, somebody's talking to me the right way. And all of a sudden you have a horse that goes, Oh, okay. And it's like, they just go, okay, I'm safe here. And they just immediately go from like a 10 to a two, you know, it's, it's just like, so I really feel like I didn't mean to like personify your anthropomorphize this horse, but like, I feel like they all have a sense of relief when they're being worked with in a fair way that, that is in their language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I suppose one of the most important things about this conversation, Debbie, is that virtually all of my adult life, and I'm 85 going on 86, and virtually all of my adult life, I've been involved in the horse racing industry and the horse industry in general. And at no time did I ever realize the number of horses that are looking for a home after some career like racing. And that oftentimes they're just loaded on a truck and sent to the killers and they become dog food. And oftentimes, but I mean a very large percentage of those horses, could easily have another very satisfying life doing something entirely different than what they did on the track, but in fact causing people to be very happy with them. And I don't think the average person 
on the face of this earth realizes that there is that dearth of incredible animals out there that really could use a job, and we we have not paid that much attention to them. When I see the millions and millions of horses that we have in the United States now, way more than we ever had when horses were our only form of transportation, mm. there's way more horses now than then. And oftentimes, almost all the time, these horses that are retired from the track have another good 9, 10, 12 years of doing something that's very beneficial to us as human beings and becoming more familiar with the flight animal and raising children so that they understand the needs of animals and learning to ride which is a valuable commodity in the face of this modern day we have. It, learning to ride a horse and stay safe around horses is extremely valuable. So I, I was, the biggest thing about this conversation is how surprised I was when they started shipping these horses in that needed relocation and me saying, wow, that is a good one. That is a good one. That is a good one. Over and over again. Look at this. If I had this horse when I was 25 years old, I'd be asking 15,000, 18,000, 20,000 for this horse because it could probably jump or it could probably do a hunter routine or it could probably run a barrel race or something or just ride the trails and, and be nice and quiet. There is a huge surprise out there for everybody that's on this radio today that there are more of these horses available than ever you could imagine. And you have choices. You can go and find the one you want. You can get the color you want. You can get the attitude that you want. It's unbelievable, you know, the, the, the numbers of horses that are out there. And I'm so proud that Debbie has taken up this opportunity and, and we've followed Jamie through this because it certainly surprised me how quickly Jamie went into those 50, 60, 70 horses and now 100 horses already put uh, with families. It's absolutely incredible. And I, I'm so proud of it. And I, I'm also proud of her realizing that join up is that connection with the horses that allow the horses to find a new friend or to find a new way to live in the in the partnership with human beings as opposed to you know, being a slave to a human being. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, what I love about you two is that you start with your foundation of just relating to the horse, just assessing the horse and figuring out what this horse is all about and letting the horse figure us out when the horses land on your property. But but there's a whole routine I know that you guys go through beyond that assessment too. And I think we don't have time to explore it all today, but I think People should go on your websites, Jamie. Your Facebook page is Flyover Farms. Yeah, Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, certified Monty Roberts instructor. Mm. It's a lot. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, it's distinct. So you, people will find you. And and you have some wonderful video up there of your, your stages as you go through with these horses so people can learn a little bit about what you do and, and look for horses there. I mean, the 
best thing, the, the most important person on this interview really is the person who is interested in adopting one of these horses and figuring out what's good for them and talking to people, talking to Jamie, talking to Monty about what's appropriate for what they're looking for and getting these horses back in action, which is really the exciting part. So there's as our website is montyroberts.com forward slash adopt, and you could go there. There's also myrighthorse.org. So the ASPCA, the Right Horse uh, Initiative Program, puts out a website called myrighthorse.org, and you can go there and shop horses, which is really fun. But I advise you also get on the phone with these trainers and, and ask more and more about them so you get the right horse, too, for whatever level you're looking for, whatever occupation the listener is listening for. So. But I'm so happy that you guys are kicking off another year, that you're committed to more horses coming through the Transition Horse Program. I'm just really glad for horses that you guys exist. So thanks for being on. Mm, thank you. You're welcome. And I'm happy to do this. If you've got a big coat, you can stay warm. Go see Jamie. If you want some nice sunshine, come to California and see the horses here. I'm on my way, Monty. (laughs) Thanks, you guys, for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. I'm excited to introduce you to Coro, my new online shopping destination where I can find all my favorite horse care products for the best prices, and they're shipped directly to my barn door. Coro was created for the horse owner and horse care professional whose hard work and dedication goes into caring for their horses. To make it even easier with industry expertise, they have tried and tested products, and they even have horse-inspired storytelling all under one roof. They offer auto ship so that you can never run out of your go-to supplements, your grooming products, your fly sprays, your horse cookies, and more where you set the frequency of how often you receive items, as well as you can unlock additional savings they have up there. They even offer an afterpay, which I like, which then splits your payments into four payable every two weeks. It's great. Coro has something for everyone, no matter what breed of horse you have or what their job might be. They care about the way you care about your horse, which is why they have tons of content on their blog. It's what makes them different. Coro stories, and they created a community on their social platforms to help educate and entertain and even inspire horsemen and horsewomen alike. Owning a horse can be expensive. Caring for them shouldn't be. Check out their website today at coroshop.com. That's C-O-R-R-O-S-H-O-P.com. And use the code HORSEMANSHIP10 for 10% off your first order today. This is all for the love of your horse, Coro. Julie Smith has loved horses since her earliest memory and was given a free horse when she was 12. From that moment on, her path was clear. They would always be a large part of her life. Julie retired from a long career at the University of California the last five years as manager of the UC Davis Equestrian Center. She lives with her husband in the Vacaville Hills in Northern California and now owns and operates a 15-horse boarding facility. Julie is active in the newly organized Solano Community Animal Response Team, formed after several major fires in the area, and she volunteers as a rig driver to assist in the evacuation of horses and other livestock in the event of a disaster. Well, welcome, Julie Smith. I'm so happy to have you on Horsemanship Radio. I thought we'd kick off the year with some preparedness, disaster preparedness, and I'm I'm told that you're the right person for the job. How are you? 
Well, I'm fine. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Oh, absolutely. So here you are in Northern California. We hear about a few wildfires up there. Uh, But before we get into your expertise in all of that, I wanted to get a little bit about your horsey background, if we could, too. Just what what does that come from? Yeah. Well, as with most horse people, obsessed since since childhood, (laughs) owner of horses since I was probably 10 or 12 years old. I've owned and operated two different boarding facilities, one in the outskirts of Davis, California, boarded 30 horses there, and then um, sold that. And now now my husband and I live, own and operate a 15-horse boarding facility in the hills of Vacaville. I also retired from UC Davis after 30 years. And when I left, I was managing the University of California Davis Equestrian Center, we boarded um, up to 100 horses at any one time and at just adjacent to the vet school right there. That's a story vet school, too. That's quite a job. I, and, and is that something that you were a professor there as well or you were no, a facility manager? No, I, I was a facility manager. I managed the equestrian center, which was the recreational aspect of, of, um, of the equestrian uh, life at UC Davis. Um, while we were right next door to the UC Davis vet school and we were all part of UC Davis, we were, we boarded student horses. We had recreational riding programs for the students. We owned lesson horses. We did camp for kids in the summertime, but so no, I was the, the manager of that facility. Um, particularly I was hired in the last five years of my time at UC Davis to renovate it. It was in dire need of renovation. So that's what I spent my last five years at UC Davis doing, was renovating the equestrian center and redoing some of their programs and making it a safer, more fun, happy experience for UC Davis students. Well, see, that's exactly why we have you on the phone, that you that you do know how to design preparedness and, and safety for horses. So that's exactly who we wanted to talk to. Um, because we, uh, you know, a lot of us get into these emergency situations with horses and we try to prepare. We have our med kit, you know, and we, uh, mm-hmm. we, we watched a few YouTube videos <laughs> somewhere along the line. Mm-hmm. And we hope that we're prepared, but I have a feeling we're not terribly prepared. And so we really want to know from you um, as we sit here in January. I know there can be emergencies in January as well. But in California, Mm -hmm. wildfires and and windswept crazy wildfires have been the norm in the last few years. And as a facility, a border and everything, what what do you ask your boarders to do to prepare? And what do you do to prepare your barn and your facility for the eventual maybe evacuation even? Well, I will say up until about five years ago, I didn't think of it all that much. Mm-hmm. I really didn't. We lived in an area that, yeah, I, I could see that the fire was potential, but it hadn't occurred and we were fairly complacent. But in the last five years, as everyone well knows, there have been more and more fires and they're becoming more and more wind driven mm-hmm. and more and more dangerous. And so our borders, the borders that I um, have here, when they, when they, we agree for them to come in, and I only have five borders, I will say at this point, all those other horses are my own. <laughs> <laughs> so we have about 10, 10 of our own horses and five boarded horses. They, they have, most of them have their own trailers. But when we are preparing for fire season, we have learned over the course of the last five years that we best be better prepared. The first real evacuation we had was in June of this last last year where we had plenty of notice and I, I could see there were fire in the hills and the wind was blowing. You never knew which way it was going to go. So I 
pulled the trigger and evacuated quite early. And all I do is I, my boarders know that if I call them on the phone, that they better answer it. You know, it's an emergency. So they all come as quickly as they can. And we moved out in June, but it was disorganized. We had horses that did not want to get in the trailer because they hadn't been off the property in years. And we had to think about where are we going? You know, what trailer, what, who goes in what trailer with what horses and et cetera. So after that, after that uh, experience, which actually actually worked out quite well for us, we were able to come home the, ne- the next day. I set up a clinic for our boarders um, mm-hmm. where we brought in a local horsewoman who is expert in training horses to get in the trailer. Um, whether they've been horses that have been traumatized in the past, she has methods that are very, very kind, but which Insistent. I don't know what else to say other than to say that she <laughs> got, she gets them in a trailer on their own volition. Yeah, it, it makes it happen without any any you know pain and inhumane yeah. treatment what whatnot. And so I scheduled the clinic, and all our boarders came. We set up two different trailers: one a ramp, one a step up, one a slant load. One was also slant load. One was straight load. So all the horses in our barn went in and out at each trailer several times until they would walk in without anybody leading them in. We did that in the course of about an hour and a half. So all the horses were refreshed. I mean, most of them have always gotten in trailers in the past. However, in a circumstance where time is of the essence Mm -hmm. or it's dark or there's no lights and it's windy, they better be really quick at getting in. So I did that. And that was very helpful because it wasn't two weeks later that the big fire came through here. And uh, the call went out at one o'clock in the morning. Um, I was to back up a bit. I was called out to help a friend who was more at the epicenter of the fire. And she was proactively evacuating. She had 18 horses to get out of there. And she evacuated before she was told to evacuate just because she could see that things could get bad and she wanted to do it before it was the middle of the night. So I went up there with my horse trailer. We evacuated eight horses. And at that time, while there was smoke, there was no flame. And we pulled out of there with her with like 10 horses, with the intent to go back and get the rest. And at that time, we didn't even think my property, which was far south of that, was in, at risk. But as we pulled into my property, 30 minutes south of that, we turned the corner and looked back up towards her property and the hills were on fire. We were not able to go get those other horses. Mm. And it was, uh, you know, they passed and her house burned down. But my point being, that's how fast it traveled. In 20 minutes, we could not see a flame. And then there was a change in the wind and there was like what they call a fire NATO and it just blew up. And within 15 to 20 minutes, it overtook their house. And the horses that were left behind had no, no way to get out. So next mm-hmm. point of being, if at all possible, you make sure you have enough trailer space for every horse on your property. Right. So I know that's not practical for a lot of people. But I will say that a week before that big fire, I had just purchased a three-horse slant load. And it was just a backup trailer. It's solely just to sit here to stick three more horses in because I had to leave three donkeys behind when we left and that didn't feel very good they did just fine of course but um but but we're small enough i have borders that have trailers that i just needed to fill a couple holes and i got a trailer that i wouldn't have bought otherwise but it's here in case we need to evacuate i know a lot of people cannot do that 
But really, if you're really talking about evacuating in the middle of the night, all you want is trailer space. It doesn't matter how pretty it is as long as it's fixed and it can hold the horses you need. Okay. And I hear you saying that why not leave early, then wait for the call too. Yes, yes, yes. Now that's my other point. Both times, well, the, the time in June we were evacuated, I was able to evacuate at dusk, which makes it a whole lot easier. And like I said, it, we, it turned out that we were able to come home. Actually, I think I said the next day, but it was actually two days later. In July, um, I did choose to, you know, I went up and helped my friend. And then by the time we got back to my place and it was, you can see it was coming close, headed towards us. We went to another location, dropped off all of her horses, and then we came back and got mine. And still, there was not a mandatory evacuation in place. I can tell you that if I sent you the pictures of us evacuating, you will be amazed. But that is how quickly the fire happened upon us. There was no warning. And I am not faulting any fire department, Cal Fire, anything. It was just one of those natural events that nobody could have planned on. So if you see fire in your neighborhood, even if it's five miles away, 10 miles away, but the wind is coming your direction or it could switch and come your direction. I say you get, you find, make arrangements and get out. Where do you take those horses? Where do you take those horses, Julie? um, Do you, I mean, you know, where are you going to go that there isn't wind? So what's what's the plan? Well, we live, I live in what is now considered a fire zone, which didn't used to be, but it is now. And I have connections in Davis, which is 25 minutes away. And I have a a friend who owns a barn there and she has many openings and I've made arrangements with her ahead of time. If I need to evacuate, can I come to your place? And she says anytime. Okay. So so she's not in the fire zone. Is is that what you're saying? She is not in the fire zone. Yes. Yes. She is in Davis, in the flatlands, across freeways, whatnot. It's 25 minutes to get there. We can get there quickly, dump horses and come home. Okay. So that's an arrangement I have set up ahead of time. So find um, find and I an arrangement. No, I can go there. Yeah, yeah. Pardon so me? find a ra- an arrangement. So and and yeah. obviously in a safe spot. What about what happens when there's um, the wind was whipping everything? But could you go to a big mall like where there's a big parking lot or what? Or does that get filled up? Or what do you do if um, you're living in a fire zone and you you don't know where to go outside the fire zone? A lot of the county, a lot of the county fairgrounds open up. That's Ah. where you could go. In our particular circumstance, getting to Fairfield, the fire went over the freeway, which which would have prevented anybody from going really to a mall, a a close-by mall. But I would head to county fairgrounds. Um, But another thing to keep in mind when you're planning ahead for where you would go, keep in mind you need to have more than one option. What if the fire comes from the south or what if the fire goes from the east, and that's where your evacuation is. I can pretty much bet that in our area, it comes from the north. I need a place that's far to the west, you know, far to the west away. So that's where we go. But you should have, you should have a place to go in two different directions in case, in case a road gets blocked or, or the other place fills up depends, you know, you you do need to have a couple options. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then also here's the hard one. The emotions are high, and I know that you've practiced. You practiced at home, at home with the trailers, and but how do you emulate or how do you practice that high stress emotional? I know the horses feed off of that, and I know that the, you'll get them in the trailer. What do you do 
what do you tell people to do to bring their own emotions down so they can think straight? You just, you, sometimes you just have to grab them by the arms and say, calm down. You've got to keep your head about you. Get your head in the game. Calm down. And the practice runs that we've had, I will say, made a huge difference in that. We were, but once we did it once and then had our little practice session, we were a well-oiled machine after, after a little training session. But you're, you're right. There's a heightened sense of anxiety. We were trying to load horses in the dark, in the wind. Yeah. All the power went out around us. And sometimes you just almost had to, you would have to take somebody by the shoulders and say, you know, get over it. Come on. Get your head in the game. <laughs> the horses you know? need you. That's right. Yeah. What about the horses. Now, when you get to the spot where you're settling in a little bit, what do you do to bring yeah. them down emotionally too? If you, if sometimes you don't have time to even worry about it, this is sometimes minutes matter. And sometimes you are running into a facility and dropping off horses with a hope and a prayer and you're turning around and going back and getting more or mm-hmm. helping someone else mm-hmm. get horses out. I, I've spent a lot of time assisting in with other people who don't have trailers or who are stuck behind fire lines um, uh, to go get their horses. So sometimes you don't have a choice. You just have to, you know, realize that you got them to a safer place and yeah, they may get bit. They may get, you know, kicked by one of their pasture mates if they're in a situation they're not accustomed to. But I would say if you have time and we did in one of these circumstances, you load their own hay, you, you keep their, you know, in the forthcoming days as you're evacuated, you try to keep their schedule, give them the same food, mm-hmm. you try to, you hand walk them. But, you know, it really is just about you, I think, as a horse person, it's really you just trying to stay calm so you can keep your horse calm. And then when you get your evacuation facility, you do the best you can if you have time to keep those horses calm. If you, I would always in, you know, in your bag of tricks, you should always have butte, banamine, um, colic is not uncommon in a high stress situation like that. You should have some banamine in your to go bag. So what else uh, is in your to go bag? What, what's your, your essential, I mean, I'm imagining like, I don't know, a collapsible bucket or all kinds of goodies. What, what do you have in there? Yeah. Um, I, I always have, uh, it, for me, it didn't need to be collapsible. I always have a bucket a fire extinguisher in my horse trailer tack room. In my go bag, I've got long rope in case you need an extra, you know, for many reasons. You can use it for many reasons. You might need to use it as like a temporary, you know, stall or a a temporary divider between horses. Usually it doesn't work, but, you know, it can in the pinch. But uh, extra long rope, banamine, flashlight, wire cutters. Because if you're really in an extreme situation, you might have to cut wire down to get through. Sure. So good wire cutters. And I'm not talking the, you know, little cheapy, little tiny, little handheld ones. You need the the bigger ones that, um, that can get through and no climb sensing easily and quickly. Sure. Loppers. Get your loppers Loppers. out. There you go. Get your wire cutter loppers out. Have a, have a shovel, have gloves, but definitely a nightlight, you know, a, light that you put on your hat. What do you call those? You look ah, so attractive yes, when you wear them. That's right. For spelunking. That's what, <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. So I always have those sorts of things. Fire extinguisher is important. Oh, and another thing about fire extinguishers is make sure they're checked every year. 
Yes. Because they do dissipate. You know, you have to, you should have them checked, purchase new ones um, if you need to. This is great. So I watched a bunch of videos and doing a little homework for this on um, a www.halterproject.org, which you've steered me to. Wonderful. Which is yes. great. Yeah, it has a bunch of video on it and, and it. and it does show video in those situations where it's dark and how to approach a horse or how not to approach a horse. And that was really good. Anything else you can suggest for us that too? If you, if you know a fire is coming your way, and I think this was brought up in one of those halter videos that I saw at one point, is if fire's way back there, bring your horses in up close so that you can get in there and get them. If you've got them turned out on, on a hill somewhere and they're frantic, they're running around, uh, you may not be able to catch them. But if you have the option, you see a fire off in the distance, you bring them up close so that if you do need to evacuate, you can grab them quickly and be ready to go. Sure. That makes great sense, Julie. So your role at the Solano County Animal Rescue Team is, is it specifically emergency preparedness or do you just, are you a volunteer that goes into action when, when needed? I'm a volunteer that actually, I'm a rig driver. You know, Solano Cart started about three or four years ago with the big fires in the Santa Rosa area. And there was there was a loose knit group of people that just hopped in their trailers and went out to help, but it was unorganized. You know, it was unorganized. We got a lot done, but we could have done better with, with the authority of the animal control, the sheriff's department and that sort of thing. So there was Vicki Fitch Dawson who decided after that to start a cart of our own. And we had lots of training through FEMA and whatnot, but, is clearly volunteer and we assist with local law enforcement, fire, animal organizations to assist people getting their horses out. There's so many people in these little nooks and crannies that have horses and no way to get them out, which always as a horse person kind of surprises me. But that's another thing um, for planning early and evacuating earlier. If you're one of those people that don't have a horse trailer, call ahead of time because calling in a moment of need, yeah. you're going to be down on the list. And some of these places are in remote areas where the ingress and egress is very difficult and and the roads get clogged quickly. So that's another reason to evacuate early. That's I will tell true. you that during this last fire we had here, when I came back the second time, the roads were completely clogged and getting in and out was impossible. So we left early and had no problem. Yeah, good advice, Julie Smith. So people should look look Julie up um, in the Northern California area, in the Solano area, um, and you'll find her on um, lots of lists of people that are helping in a super dangerous fire zone area. But what isn't with fires these days, too? So yes. halterproject.org was a great one, and, uh, and any CART, which uh, is the acronym for... Uh, county animal rescue team so volunteer teams like that and maybe somebody listening can listen to julie and make maybe a haphazard group even better because of the tips that you've given us today julie absolutely get them prepared and even more prepared don't just wait to learn from the first big fire that goes through i so appreciate you julie and we'd have you back anytime if you had any innovations or anything one more point Please. And I make one more point. Um, mm-hmm. Always keep your truck in fire season. Always keep your truck 
and trailer in operating condition. And always make sure you got a half a tank of gas. I was going to say at least, yeah, at least a half a tank yeah. of gas. <laughs> exactly. And some water for yourselves too, girls. So, yeah, good. I'm so glad you're out there, Julie. I appreciate your time today. And let us know if there's anything else. Well, we thank you for what with. you do. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the Dear Monty, you've created special programs for veterans, abused children, people with post-traumatic stress disorder. What is it about the impact of horses on these people? Monty's answer. Those familiar with my thoughts on healing should know I don't believe there should be a D in PTSD. The D in PTSD should have been an I and stand for injury. Going to war and coming home with extreme trauma is an injury and not a disorder. Injuries heal and disorders tend not to. This helps veterans avoid becoming a victim of a system that does not train them to re-enter civilian life. Instead, the horses help participants grow to trust again. Trust is the essential ingredient in horses helping humans. When humans can get their anatomy to convince a horse to trust them, then the horses realize that trust is possible. Horses are flight animals and to gain their trust, we must get our physiology right. Emotional control, breathing, and communication are part of the skill sets that participants gain from the horses in order to achieve join up in our horse sense and healing program. We accept veterans and first responders plus their supporters. And since 2010, we have been amazed at the healing and the ripple effect through families that horses have had. Read more about the program and consider supporting the program through the nonprofit. The horses and our military and first responders deserve it. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to MontyRoberts.com and click on the words Ask Monty at the bottom of the page. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in January. Here we are. Coming right up is the 22nd to the 24th. We have our Horse Sense and Healing for Veterans, first of the year. And then on the 25th, we have our Horsemanship 101. So we're adding some dates for that, too, because that's become real popular as a daytime, just a one-day course that's really fun in the concepts. And then in February, we have February 1 through 5, we have our Gentling Wild Horse course. We made it into a one-week program with the transition horses that we have now, too. Um, We will go back to the two-week format in the summertime for people who want to come and chill for a couple of weeks. But that's going to be fun. And then the 8th through the 12th of February, we have Monty's special training. We have that because we didn't get to do as much as we wanted to in the summer of COVID. (laughs) So now we're going to add one. We, We have way too much fun at those. So 8th through 12th. And then 14th through 16th, we have the intro course, Module 2. And that is join up that's the one that jamie talked about uh doing this uh this last interview and people should know it's important stuff and then 17 to 19 we have the module one which is the first steps to monty's method 
That's a lot of dually training, a lot of ground manners. And then 21st through 23rd is the long lining course. It's a lot of ground driving and learning to prepare your horse for the saddle before you're even in the saddle, which is a lot of fun. And then 24th through 26th of February is module four. And that's when we bring back those people who are preparing for their intro exams or They could take all four in a row and get ready for those exams and uh, be on their first leg to becoming a certified instructor like Jamie. And then in March, we have five through seven, our next Horse and Healing Clinic for veterans and first responders. Then 12 through 14 of March, we have the Intro Course Module 1, First Steps to Monty's Methods. Then 15 through 26, the Introductory Course of Horsemanship. That's uh, the two-week course. You could take it all at once. And then April, we'll make a long-term leap here to one, two, three, one, first to the third is the intro course module two, which is the join up. And then four to six, we have the intro course module three, which is the long lining. Lots of opportunities to learn, Jen. They abound. And you can find all of that and more at Monty Roberts' website. It's www.montyroberts.com or you can call the fine folks at Flag is Up Farms, 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, you can go to horsemanshipradio.com where you're going to find links, photos, and more information about today's topics and guests. And we love your feedback. Great way to do that is on Facebook or other social media. On Facebook, it's Monty Roberts. On Twitter and Instagram, it's Monty underscore Roberts. That's the little dash that goes on the bottom. Don't forget to get the app for your iPhone or Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. It's free and easy to download. And many thanks to MontyRobertsUniversity.com for being our reason to be. Be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. 